1059 live from TCU Place here on the Green Zone for the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner uh, tonight. Jose Bautista, Buck Martinez, Jose Barrios on hand. And Drew Romendo, we have a special guest for football yes. at four today. The man, the new boss, Corey Mace, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, also a special guest here tonight. Uh, did, did you get to know Jose Bautista yet, just a, a little you, bit? You know, I'm actually a little upset you didn't announce me before those guys. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Uh, we just we just came from the hotel. We were all together and uh, made a trip over here. All, all excellent people, man. It's were cool. you a ball player growing up in British Columbia a little so, bit? So, you know, I was just talking to uh, Britt, actually. She was asking me that, and I, I, I yeah. I played until about 13 and, and realized, uh, man, I'm not making these really good teams. I should probably look to switch it up. So I, I, I switched it up. I got out of the baseball world. It wasn't for me. So, uh, But, no, I appreciated it, though. So uh, this week, uh, a young man, Quantez Stiggers, is uh, making a heck of a name for himself at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Last night playing, or yesterday playing, he has the Toronto Argonauts helmet on because of his situation. He never played college ball, but he's draft eligible in the NFL. What, what's how cool is that to see one of your former players down there with an Argos lid on, even though you're a rider guy now, show up yeah. and, and you know might be drafted in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think if nothing else, Jamie, just um, man, I'm just I'm just so excited for the kid, man. And obviously his story, I'm sure everybody will get to know it here pretty soon if you don't already. But uh, you know how he approaches the game um, and how he came in uh, humbly. Um, it was really cool because he was just kind of a blank canvas. You know, the, you got to look at the positives. And uh, he didn't have all the college experience, but the kid was a blank canvas. And mm-hmm. as a coach, you love that because they just kind of listen to what you say right away, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, credit to the coaches that he worked with. Uh, also, you know, uh, Coach Bell, who was very hands-on with that, who's with us here in Saskatchewan now. Um, it was really excellent to see the kid, man. Really happy for him. Drew, that's a that's a broadcaster voice right there, right? or a coach's voice. So I'm, or a coach's <laughs> voice more than broadcaster. I, I wish I had that voice. Um, Corey, nice to meet you. First off, but when coaches now in the sport that I'm in, in hockey and in, in football as well, you guys go in for an interview. You're also interviewing the organization. What were some of the questions you had for the writers that satisfied you? Yeah, excellent question, Drew. I, I think um, you know some things that that I really wanted to uh, to stand on was uh, I wanted it to be a, a team environment through and through, and it's not just uh, you know my relationship with the coaching staff and or the players; it's front office as well. And I think um, I made that pretty clear, and, and uh, I think Jo and I aligned uh, from that standpoint. Um, you know, prior to that, I, I was familiar with uh, Kyle Carson, um, and I think he knows how I operate. Um, so uh, I really just wanted to kind of pick the brain of J.O. and kind of understand the man he was, even though I think I had an idea. And it really just confirmed a lot of things that I thought. And we really just see it eye to eye and how we want to get things going. We talk a lot about culture and identity um, in, in, both, in, in every sport. The importance of building a culture for a winning organization. How do you go about that? Yeah, also another great question. I think, uh, luckily enough, uh, having the experience of going to Toronto, um, you know, coming from Calgary at that standpoint, uh, we, we all didn't know any better. We just understood it to be one way. <laughs> and then when you go somewhere else and see that it's not like that, uh, to be able to implement that was really cool to see. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to sound lame because I keep bringing up the same stuff, but to me the very, very first important thing is the, the relationships and understanding the people that you work with. Um, 
you know, everybody might be motivated differently. Um, you spend a time to figure out what motivates these, these, you know, in our situation, these guys to, to play the best version of themselves. Then you got to spend the time and make sure you hold them accountable, accountable, excuse me, to, to the standard of who they expect to be. And then you've you got everybody hitting all, all cylinders. Um, certainly, you know, that's the intangible outside of the football aspect, uh, which I believe this game does have a lot to do with outside of the game. Corey, Corey Mays joining us uh, live here at the Kinsman Celebrity Sports Dinner, the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The trend all of a sudden, uh, you see it in the NFL. A lot of younger faces getting head coaching mm. jobs. Yourself here in the CFL, one of the youngest head coach, well, youngest head coach in Rough Rider history. Why do you think that is? What, what is it about a younger coach now that's getting promoted quicker than ever before? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I would. Uh, I, I guess the first guy that comes to mind was McVay. Uh, he took off, so thank goodness he was successful. <laughs> Maybe we're all out of it. <laughs> so. Um, I, to me, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we relate really well with uh, the generation of players that, that are there with us now. Um, and not to say that there aren't really amazing coaches that, you know, are a bit older. Uh, but a lot of us young coaches have learned under these guys, um, you know, schematically and also can relate to the guys. I think that goes a long way right now. A lot of these players want to feel like uh, they want to be treated a little bit differently. So, um, you know, I have, I'm the youngest, and I was talking with uh, a good friend of mine, Deron Mayo, who's on staff with the Patriots. Yep. His brother's the youngest in the NFL. Unless somebody got hired who's younger. I don't know. That, that changes <laughs> no, every five yet. minutes not in yet. the NFL. Um, <laughs> so, no, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool, but you you know, you don't know it until someone brings it up, right? So, um, I don't know. I, 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 I appreciate the opportunity. Um, the fact that I'm 38, I could care less, man. I just like to win. That's really all it comes <laughs> yeah. down to. Well, well, coming up is uh, how to help you guys win is the negotiating window starting on Sunday. So take us through it. Like, do you and J.O. have, okay, you're calling him. You're call, I'll call him. You're calling him. All ready to go for Sunday at noon when the negotiating window opens up? Yeah. Sorry, 11 a.m. Yeah, man. Time. So that's that's a thing, right? you got to keep a close eye. Obviously, we spend time um, combing through and, and retaining the people on the roster who are always there who we feel that can give us the best op- opportunity to win. And then from there, you kind of just you got to anticipate, right, of you know what players are going to make it to the window, um, usually towards the back end of it here team start re-signing guys like crazy uh, because they're getting a little nervous so to speak and as they should usually guys that are going you know are, are fairly good players um so yeah you gotta ha- kind of have a plan of attack from that standpoint and you know if someone doesn't make it to the window then you gotta kind of pivot from mm-hmm. there um but no jo and i have been uh, you know lockstep going forward or you know even to this point you know i was texting him before i just sat down here <laughs> so we're, we're constantly uh you know devising the plan of course he's at the he's at the shrine bowl scouting right now uh, but uh, with free agency coming up how excited are you about what you can potentially get i know you can't name names that's tampering <laughs> There's no tampering in the CFL, no true, or any sport, never. never. No. <laughs> but how excited are you on what potentially could land here in Saskatchewan? Yeah, I, man, I, I, I'm excited about the fact that there's a little bit of a buzz about people who potentially would want to come to Regina mm-hmm. and play football. 
Um, not to say that there never was. Um, maybe I'm just more ears to it now that I'm in the position that I'm in. Um, but like anything else, fellas, we, we got to make sure that uh, the ink dries. You know, so <laughs> it's it's one of those things you can get really excited about, but until it happens, you know, um, I was telling my wife the same thing. We finally moved into our place in Regina a couple days ago, and she was like, can we celebrate? I said, not till I wake up and someone doesn't <laughs> kick us out the house. You know, so same thought process. When the ink dries, then we'll celebrate. But, yeah, the the, the, the perspective of, of what to come, yeah, no, it's exciting, no doubt. Uh, but that's, that goes back to, the, you know, you were talking about relationships you have with players and how important that is as a, as a coach nowadays to have. Because I don't think the game, like Bill Belichick, the game didn't pass him by, but maybe the generation of players did. And so those relationships for a young guy like you are, are really important. That must play a part in being able to attract free agents. Yeah, Drew, I, I, potentially, you know, I, hopefully, yeah. you know, we if we get some guys, you guys can ask them that. You know, um, I, I just know... Um, you know, myself coming up as a player, um, I've, I've had, I've been lucky enough to have all kinds of coaches, you know, the old school, so to speak, you know, hard, hard nose coaches, the nice way to put it. Um, I've had some <laughs> other coaches that were relationship guys. And, and to be honest with you, because I feel I look at myself as a relationship guy, I get to know these players. Um, there are some players still who like being coached hard. And I'm very yeah. capable of doing that, too. So <laughs> I think it's just uh, the lure of being able to just understand people, I think, maybe um, could, you know, check check a box for me. That is uh, Corey Mesa. There's people huddled around his table at the I'll VIP event. Are. They want to meet the new head coach of the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. Uh, thanks for stopping in Appreciate here you, and uh, enjoy your night. Absolutely. Uh, you too. This is great. I'm, I am I feel like everybody's, I'll say, oh, Jamie's lying to you guys. Bautista's by my table signing autographs, so that's why there's so much traffic. Just, just one quick thing. If you guys yeah. need ties, I have a lot of ties here. I can send you some ties if you guys need. Uh, you know, oh, no, the, uh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't, occasion. Drew, I don't do those ties, man. I'm already sweating with no tie. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, that is Corey Mace, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders here on the Green Zone as uh, the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner is going on right now. Uh, Jose Bautista, Barreos, Buck Martinez, Jorgen Hughes of the Riders as well uh, here before the dinner at 6.30. This is 980 CJME and 6.50 CKOM. Jamie Nye, Kuromendo with you. We are live at TCU Place in downtown Saskatoon. The Kinsman Celebrity Sports Dinner uh, going uh, tonight. Jose Bautista is in the house. Of course, Buck Martinez. Uh, uh, Mr. Bautista is a little busy. The lineup to get an autograph and a picture with the Bautista right now is... Well, it's lengthy, Drew Romenda. It is a uh, lengthy it is. line uh, <laughs> down there. Uh, Buck Martinez as well. Uh, Jose Barreos of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays uh, uh, right here. And thanks to Corey Mesa for stopping in. Uh, uh, the more we talk to him, Drew, I think the more you're gonna, the more you're gonna like Corey Mace uh, and the the way he communicates, uh, the way he talks about his players, the way he relates to people. Um, he just just when he said, "Well, Drew, that's a good question." Just retaining that, he is yeah. appreciative well, of whoever gives him the time, and he gives it right back to you. He uh, he will be very very different from. Coach Dickinson, and that's what they need. And coaching, you have to be who you are as a coach. You can't be phony because players sniff that out right away. And I think your point and your question about the younger coach is important because, as I said, I was actually talking to an, an NHL coach 
a couple of weeks ago when he said to me, he said, do you, uh, do you ever miss coaching? Would you ever get back into it? And I said, nah, coaching's passed me by. And he went, no, it hasn't. He said, this generation may have passed you by. He said, the generation of players may have passed you by. He said, but you don't lose that coaching thing. And that's the thing with Belichick. I don't think coaching's passed him by. He never had great interpersonal skills anyway. And, but the newer generation, they don't tolerate that stuff anymore. But I thought it was interesting, Corey, bringing it up, the fact that some guys still like to get like get coached hard. There are some guys out there that still want to get their butts kicked and, and be held accountable in a, in a more forceful way. But that's his job, and as he mentioned to you, that's his responsibility to figure out which guys are which. That's the key as a good coach, knowing that you don't treat everybody the same, but you hold them to the same standard. And, and that's... Uh... And you need to know. And the players in the room need to know, yeah, I'm going to coach him differently than I'm going to coach you because you're receptive to this. And probably a lot of one-on-one meetings, maybe more so than ever before in coaching, right? It's a people business. Ask any coach nowadays. It's a people business more than the X's. Although football, because football is so precise, good teams are so precise, and everything they do, if you don't do your job, then the play will probably break down. That's why it's such a wonderful team game. In hockey, the game's more chaotic, and it's going all over the place. And, and basketball, a little more precision as well. But within those boundaries of the X's and O's, getting guys to play to that precision is the big task a coach has. And when they don't, because of effort, or focus, how do you hold them to the standard that you want your team to play to? That's the art of coaching. And I, I hope he appreciates that. I, I I tried to make sure that he didn't get in trouble early in his coaching career with tampering. <laughs> he let him off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just <laughs> didn't want to. I liked his. I liked his energy. I liked his energy. I liked his enthusiasm. And you know, are you signing Darius Pickett? Is that a guy we can expect here in Saskatchewan? <laughs> what about AJ Ouellette? You want to bring? Yeah. Uh, no, can't he's say got, it yet. But he's got. He's got that. You know, you don't know yet, of course, but. You like automatically. You like how charismatic he is. What was what, what was with the dig at the tie? We're not wearing ties. Well, you just you're we... wearing a jacket and you're both wearing the same light blue shirt. And I'm just thinking that, <laughs> you know, if you're going to put a jacket on, you might as well go the next step and put a put a tie on. I have a bunch. I, I don't know. Hate if you're that or wearing not. ties. I hate it. <laughs> I love wearing ties. I hate it. I love wearing ties. I, well, because mine are perfect. That's why. That's probably why I like wearing them. The one well, you're tie you. 99. That would be like... Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. pretty what it is. Of course you do. You better. <laughs> let's get to the one-minute drill. <laughs> the latest in sports, a busy night. Of course, it is the All-Star Skills Competition tonight uh, in Toronto after the draft last night. And WHL, all five Saskatchewan teams on the ice. Moose Jaw's home to PA. Pat's home to Swift Current. Blades are home to uh, Medicine Hat. At the Tankard, it is Stephen Lycock's comeback to make it 6-5 against Burnaf to try to improve to 4-0. McEwen's already improved to 4-0. Those two top teams play tonight, 7 o'clock, to decide who's the top-ranked team to make the playoffs. More coming up here on the Green Zone. We're going to drop the gloves with Jamie Thomas of the Winnipeg Jets after the Jets made a trade for Sean Monahan. That's next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. 
Jamie Nye, Drew Remendo with you on this Friday afternoon. I am live at TCU Place, downtown Saskatoon. The Kinsman Celebrity Sports Dinner, Jose Bautista, Buck Martinez, Jose Barreas are the celebrity guests, along with head coach of the Rough Riders, Corey Mace, who joined us earlier, and Rough Rider uh, local legend, Jorgen Hughes, best darn long snapper in the Canadian Football League. Hey, Hey, parents and kids. Job for life. Learn how to long snap. Just learn. Learn. If you like football and you like being on the field, you can be a linebacker. You can be a safety. You can do it. You can learn how to long snap. Job for life. My Job kid. for life. Just a little advice uh, here on the Green Zone. Uh, but we're going to talk some hockey with a trade today uh, with uh, Jets TV from Winnipeg Jets. His name is Jamie Thomas, good friend of uh, the uh, Green Zone here in Saskatchewan. JT, how's it going? Uh, really good. How about you guys? Pretty exciting news today, and um, looking forward to see what this looks like. What what, is, what do you think? Sean Monaghan, um, down the middle of the Winnipeg Jets, all of a sudden looks pretty good there, Jamie Thomas. Yeah, I, I think... Let's go back to the summer, guys, when Kevin Cheveldayoff was talking about the possibility of trading Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. And I know I've talked to you guys about this before. And he did say that it would lead to massive holes in the organization. And you see now with Mark Shifley being out with a lower body injury for six games and six games only, how I feel lost the Jets are, right? And they have all this depth up front, but you certainly learn how quickly – uh, important centermen are to the, the success of your organization. And the Jets, I'm not saying they've looked terrible, but they've struggled a little bit offensively, uh, certainly on the power play. But with Sean Monaghan, now you've added somebody that can win face-offs, which has been a, a struggle for the Jets this year, one of the rare spots that they've they've needed help this year. Uh, you've added depth up the middle. You have your second-line center now. Uh, going into the playoffs, and a guy that has revitalized his career. And that's one of the things that Kevin Chevaldeoff said today that he loved about Sean Monahan. He had a pretty serious injury, and the fact that he fought his way back from it to return to the type of player that he used to be. He may not be the guy that he was in Calgary for a long stretch, but he's pretty damn close. And uh, I think... You know, living, giving up a, a first-round pick in 2024 and a conditional pick a little bit later I think is, is well worth the value, if, even if this does turn out to be a rental. Well, down the middle now, it is a scary-looking group. We talked to John Shannon yeah. earlier, and yes. down the middle, I, I mean, that's a big, solid, hard-working group to get around. Yeah, like just big, Drew, right? Like you have yeah, huge. everybody over 6'2", at least. And, you know, Sean Monaghan is a strong player. You have Adam Lowry. You have Mark Shifley. And you can throw anybody in your fourth-line center uh, in, in that role. But, you know, where the, where the Jets were really hurting this year, Drew, and, and Jamie is in face-offs. And, you know, that is part of the problem with their, their power play this year. And Rick Bonus touched on it right, before, right after they lost to Toronto, 4-2 on home ice in the last game before the break is that, you know, you lose a face-off and you're losing 30 to 40 seconds of your power play right there because it's going down the ice. you got to come back up and, 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 and set up again. And their penalty kill has been going pretty well, but you lose a face-off there, you get yourself in trouble, then you're running around your own end. And that even goes five-on-five. Five. So, you know, the, 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 big, the big conversation here is, you know, Mark Shifley is your number one center. That's your number one line. And then Adam Lowry's line, 
you know, arguably the best third line in hockey. Awesome. But they were playing; they're they're getting second line minutes, right? Because they're going up against the other team's best line uh, as much as possible. So you're, you know, it, Sean Monahan kind of alleviates some of that pressure for Adam Lowry and and Mark Shifley when he comes back. So. You, you win with depth up the middle, you win with great goaltending, and certainly your blue line plays a role. And, you know, clearly defensive hockey wins you hockey games in the, in the playoffs. The Jets have that going. They, their system, their structure, the way they're going right now is, is, is great. And Sean Monaghan can play that defensive style of game as well. It's just, can you score? The, they needed some offense. They, they need to score. You know, it's a little harder without Mark Shifley, but I think you've alleviated some of the pressure on Shifley when he comes back, and certainly Adam Lowry when you add Sean Monahan to the mix. So, when you, you, how much did, do you think the Vancouver Canucks and what they gave up for Elias Lindholm impacts where they set the bar for trades? To get, have to give up a first round pick and a conditional uh, pick, I know it's not until 2027, but yeah. what did you think of the return for the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, like, I mean, they got two first round picks for Sean Monahan, right? You, you, got Sean, you got a first round pick from Calgary to take the contract off their hands, and then you got another one from the Winnipeg Jets. So I think, you know, Montreal is always, you know, rebuilding, it looks like here. Clearly this isn't the roster that they have right now that's that's going to win them Stanley Cup. So it's a good return. And, you know, some people will say, you know, the first-round pick, this might come back to bite you later. But, you know, I've talked to some prospect guys, some guys that have watched enough of this this upcoming draft, and it kind of drops off a little bit. It's a deep first top half. And it's hard to say what a guy that will play in your organization three to four years from now is going to mean when you have an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. But I, I like the return for Montreal. Clearly, this is going to be a very costly, you know, trade deadline if you want a, a, a centerman or if you want a defenseman like Chris Tanev. Like, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Um, but that's the, the, the price of doing business when you want to win a Stanley Cup and Clearly, Calgary's, um, you know, the, the return that Vancouver got for Elias Lindholm is top-notch. Um, and then certainly, what you know, anytime you get a first-round pick, I think that's a good thing if you're the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but, you know, Kevin Shoveldale talked about that today, about you always, you know, you're always going going over, do we want to give this up? And you're, you know, you're in other, on the other side of things, you're trying to get a first-round pick when you're you're trying to rebuild your roster. Um, they're very it's they're very important to the success of the organization, as shown by how well Winnipeg has drafted over the years in the first round. But clearly, Shevelyov and the management group of the Winnipeg Jets feel this is the time to do it, or else they wouldn't have parted with it. It's a good return, a good trade for both sides. So, Jamie, what does this say to the players? Oh, in the room right now. Yeah, I. I Listen, you, you can't tell me they're not excited. You, you, go, exactly. you go to the break, you, you want to regroup. And I'm not saying, you know, it, that was the first, Adam Lowry said it right before the end of the break. It's just the first little bit of, you know, adversity they've faced. Now, you know, you lose two of you three in a row, one in overtime. But man, like, how does this revitalize your room a little bit? You, and you go, okay, this is our, our general manager, our ownership group, our coaches, they believe in us. Rick Bonus didn't come to Winnipeg, guys, to, 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 you know, build players to to help prospects. He came to win a Stanley Cup, 
And, you know, they've taken a big step in the early part of the year. But you can't tell me the group uh, in that Jets dressing room, when they all get together on Sunday for practice at 2 o'clock in the afternoon here in Winnipeg, that there's not going to be some excitement about what this team, what, what management thinks. You know, fans are fired up. I think it says a lot of things to the guys that they believe in them. Um, and I, I think they, they felt they believe in them before, but this certainly sends that message. Jamie Thomas, uh, Winnipeg uh, Jets uh, reporter and, of course, uh, host of the Ground Control uh, podcast. One of my favorite names for a podcast <laughs> is the Ground Control podcast with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but you, you talked about it. Early in the yeah. season, it was it seemed hard for the Jets to get tickets uh, sold. There was yeah, a lot right. of talk about the attendance. Mm-hmm. Imagine everybody's fired up right now in Winnipeg, and it's a little easier to sell tickets for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. And I, I th- listen, guys. I, I thought the fans would come. You know, Christmas. That's you know, a lot of people get tickets for Christmas. You got the break. Oh, look at this team. They're in first place. Uh, look, this team looks like a legitimate shot here. Um, so I listen. I, I wish I was the wizard. I had the answers to what took people so long to get to. You know, the weather was great too. I don't know. I, I wish I had all the answers because I'd be a rich man if that was the case. But you can't tell me people aren't fired up to get to that first game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe it's February 10th at Canada Life Center. And to watch what this team looks like when they head on the road to play Pittsburgh and Philadelphia um, right after the break coming up here. So um, if you're, if they haven't sold tickets yet for that, that game against the Penguins, I'm sure it's coming soon. It was a sold-out barn for the Leafs game, but, you know, a, a quarter of them or it almost felt like three-quarters of them were Leafs fans. Well, thank God that's over, um, and we, we, can, we can move on and see Jets fans in the building to, to watch a game. Don't forget the Sharks are coming right after that. Yeah. That's going to hey, Oh, the hottest ticket in town. Come watch the Winnipeg hey, Jets hey, put hey. up seven or eight <laughs> on the San Jose Sharks. I'm, unless Mackenzie Blackwood stands on his head. Well, well yeah. think about this. Anytime, you know, if, if people were saying and yelling at the beginning part of last year or this season coming up, Let's rebuild. Let's blow this up. Just take a look at what it looks like in San Jose and how frustrating that is for the fan base there. It is not easy to blow things up and start all over again. It is, the, the Sharks are, are doing things the right way, but it is a long process, right, Drew? It, well, Mike Greer was asked the other day um, that we had a fan event. Mike was asked, mm. where are we in the rebuild? And he went, we're just at the beginning. Yeah, And it's already been now four years without making the playoffs where they previously never went more than two years without making the playoffs. Yeah. So it is a long, hard road. And the only thing, Jamie, you know as well as I do, both Jamies, you know, the only thing yeah. that brings people back into the building are wins. Yeah. And some type of hope. Like, I mean, that's the other Exactly. Part. Just, yeah. Yeah. If you have a team that works hard and competes every night, people will come, especially in a town like Winnipeg. It's a blue-collar town. They want to know the team's going to work hard every night, but they certainly wins is the easiest medicine for anything in the world. And look how quickly it's turned around here because, it was like Jamie just said, there was a conversation early in the year. Oh, this team's in trouble. Look at all mm-hmm. these problems. They could be moving. There was no ever conversation with that true north that they're going to move. But it sure did not look good to start the year, especially with a team that was a competitive and exciting to watch as the Jets were. It took them a little while, but man, the system has sunk in, and I'm sure you know people. They, the fans here deserve it. It's tough. You know, winters yeah. are long. 
but they just you need a little bit of hope that a team's going to work hard and they're going to give you your money's worth when you go to the rink every night because listen we all know how expensive it is to go to games it's hard as a family it's hard for everybody right now you have to give people hope to come to the rink that they know their money's well spent that's that's the bottom line period jamie well said uh jamie thomas thanks for doing this uh enjoy the rest of your all-star break a weekend and watching the skills competition tonight i'm sure yeah, I think that I really like the format, guys. Michael Bublé stole the show, and I think you just need more of that. I just need we need the players to show some some of that type of emotion and personality, and I think people will get more drawn to All Star Weekend. But that's just my opinion. He admitted today he was high on mushrooms. No, so he was joking. He said he was joking. He said he was joking about the mushrooms thing. It's I don't think I've ever been that excited on mushrooms, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that is Jamie Thomas uh, from the Winnipeg Jets and Ground Control Podcast. Game of the night next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I drew into with you here in the Green Zone. We are at the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner at the TCU Place downtown uh, uh, Saskatoon as uh, getting ready for the event tonight. But our game of uh, the night, the, well, the games of uh, the night, of course, uh, because you have the final draw uh, of the round robin of the tankard. So you have Kelly Knapp and Hartung going head to head. That has playoff implications. Kleider and Height might have playoff implications. McEwen and Laycock, they'll have playoff implications. A lot of games going on with the uh, playoff implications, but it is also the NHL skills competition uh, tonight. Who, you, you don't make predictions. I've already made my predictions. No. Elias Pettersson is my prediction uh, to win the skills competition I, tonight and the million-dollar prize. That's where I, I predict that it's going to be more engaging than it has been the last couple of years because there's something on the line and it's the individual not you know they're they're gonna i think you'll see try in tonight's games i hope so like yeah last night like well you saw it on the chat the chat i'm like well good to know even the pwhl all-stars give us many you know what's as the the guys doing a three-on-three all-star tournament <laughs> let's go. Like, yeah. Let's go. If you're going to be there, let's go. There's a little push. Let's have a little push Yeah, uh, yeah. going tonight. But we'll see how it goes uh, with the NHL All-Star Skills Competition tomorrow. The game. I'm anticipating a trade that the Canucks crew will trade for Elias Lindholm uh, tonight to have him on the roster in tomorrow's game. Let's get to the one-minute drill. Uh, Drew Remenda, you have very important information as we the latest in sports on the U.S. Embassy in Japan. Yes. Uh, what the U.S. Yes. They, they, there's very big sports news yes. today. From uh, from the embassy in Japan, U.S. Embassy in Japan, they have issued a statement today because people are concerned that Taylor's flying all the way over to Tokyo, <laughs> do her concert. Will she get back to Vegas in time to watch her beau, her boyfriend? Uh, Travis Kelsey playing the Super Bowl. This embassy, what they do is they they cut off crises. If they see a crisis, they want to make sure they cut it off. People were worried, and uh, they told the Taylor Swift fans, "Don't worry." With the way that uh, she's private traveling in private jet, weather should be good. Looks like she'll be, be back in Vegas in plenty of time to uh, see her boyfriend play. So, oh my goodness, one point four four million people read that X. 
It's important news. Taylor Swift, they're taking care of it, making sure she's there for the Super Bowl. Uh, more coming up. Justin Dunk with a preview of what to expect from the green and white with the negotiating window. Drew, we'll talk to you on Monday. Yeah. Hey, HL All-Star Game. Sunday, Monday, Monday. on TSN. Uh, yes, Watch you, uh, Drew Amanda will be there. AHL All-Star Game. This is 980 CJME, 650 CKOM.